Redeemer and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is recorded in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle is recorded in Paul's letter to the Romans, the sixth chapter beginning at verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of our sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise you also. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the epistle lesson. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter beginning at verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. 
This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be faithful to your marriage vow, no lost or impure thoughts allow. Keep all your conduct free from sin, by self-control discipline have mercy. steal or cheat away what others worked for night and day, but open up a generous hand to feed the poor in the land. Have mercy, Lord. Bear no false witness nor defame your neighbor nor destroy his name, but view him in the kindest way. Speak truth in all that you say, have mercy, Lord. Let us pray. O glorious one, Father in heaven, hear us as we pray in the name of your glorious Son. Your mercy has overflowed on us in a shower of glory we share with Jesus. Though our sins are many, you drown them in baptism by the glorious power that raised Jesus from the dead. Though our bodies waste away because of the curse of death, we eagerly look forward to a new and glorious bodies which you have promised. In the meantime, forgive us when we resist your Spirit's efforts to change us until we are like Jesus. Stamp your glory on us so that others will be attracted to the gospel of glory we preach. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in Romans chapter 6 beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Dear fellow redeemed, 
What do we mean when we pray to our Father in heaven, for thine is the glory, amen? Luke records a story about Jesus that shows us what glory is. Luke tells us about a time Jesus was invited to a dinner and noticed that as guests arrived, some headed straight for the places of honor. So Jesus said to his fellow dinner guests, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice that the person sitting in the place of honor has glory in the eyes of the other guests. Notice also that glory is joined to being exalted, lifted up in the eyes of people. In fact, this is what lay behind what Jesus later told his host. When you make glory, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Making glory meant throwing a party for a guest of honor. In other words, Jesus was saying, don't throw a party to honor someone who can turn around and do the same for you. Instead, invite those who do not have honor in the eyes of people, who can't invite you to a party thrown in your honor, and God will honor you. Glory, then, is what a guest of honor at a dinner has. Think about dinners that have a guest of honor. The master of ceremonies goes on and on about all the great accomplishments of the guest of honor. So what are we saying when we pray? For thine is the glory. Amen. If we remember the scriptures called Jesus the Amen, and that glory is what an honored guest has at a wedding feast or dinner, then we can imagine the kind of dinner where Jesus is the guest of honor. And here is some of the glory Jesus would have. John tells us how Jesus turned water into wine. John then wrote, This, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Later, when Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus was dying, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. At the grave, he told one of the weeping sisters, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then he showed that glory by raising Lazarus from the dead. John also reports that the evening before Jesus died, he prayed to the Heavenly Father, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. I have brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus prays that as he had brought glory to the Father by all the miracles he did in the Father's name, that now the Father would restore Jesus to the glory he once had in heaven. 
God answered that prayer by raising Jesus from the dead. What greater boost to one's reputation can one have than that? This is the greatest glory of Jesus. Clearly, the glory which Jesus enjoys is wrapped up in all the miracles he performed, especially when he came back from the dead. And this is the glory that Jesus shares with the Father in heaven. After all, didn't Paul write that this, that it was by the glory of the Father that Jesus was raised from the dead? Did you know that we share in the glory of God, that we are honored guests with an invitation to a dinner thrown in our honor? Paul writes, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Paul also wrote to the Ephesians that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. To the Galatians, Paul wrote, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Notice what the scriptures all say about baptism, how baptism is the kind of power God used to raise Jesus from the dead, that baptism has the power to cleanse someone. Notice how baptism gives you a new identity as we are clothed in Christ. Notice then that baptism is one of the great glories, great accomplishments of Jesus Christ, that through baptism, a humble bowl of water, Jesus reaches out into the world and gathers to himself people like you and me. A sinner is crucified and brought back to life at each baptism. Each baptism gets rid of sin. Each baptism makes you a person like Jesus by clothing us in his righteousness. Jesus once said, I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Think of the picture painted here. Here's the great king, and every time he throws a state dinner, whom does he invite to that dinner? Why, of course, he's going to invite his top government officials as well as any other guests of honor. You have that invitation, Jesus says, you will eat with me, and you will rule with me. We have become government officials in the kingdom of God because of our baptism. The world may not recognize that, but so what? They may not see the glory that the Father has given us through Christ, but through baptism we are invited to eat at the banquet table of the King, our Lord Jesus. Someday we shall all be guests of honor at a banquet served by Jesus. He will stand up in front of the world and will say to us in front of all who despised and hated us, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. 
I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then he will honor us for that. That will be our glory in the face of the whole world. Folks, all this comes as answer to our prayer. For thine is the glory. Amen. What else does Paul say about the glory we share with Jesus in our baptism? I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. So those of you who have been through terrible times, the more terrible those times have been, they are nothing compared to the glory that will soon be revealed in you when you stand before Jesus. Paul also wrote, We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. The church has the job of letting the world know the secrets of God. As we do that, letting people know the great plan God has for this world, we are accomplishing something great, something so great that the world will one day have to congratulate us for it. And God set this up to happen long before time began. Paul also wrote, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. We know what it means to sow a body in dishonor. We see that cold, dead, lifeless body. We see it locked up in a box and put in the ground. And we think that it's the saddest thing that can happen to a person in this life. And it makes no difference, rich or poor, famous or not, we will all end up the same. The richest and the most famous end up as the poorest and most unknown person, sown in dishonor. But those who are in Christ are raised in glory. We look forward to the time when our bodies are no longer subjected to ravages of age and sin and death. Finally, the apostle also wrote, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What two things does he say about us? First, because we are Christians, we already reflect the glory of Jesus. We already reflect the great accomplishment that Jesus has done. The fact that we are Christians is a great accomplishment that a, a miracle that only can be done by Jesus himself. We are not Christians because we chose to be Christians, but because Jesus chose us. Then Paul goes on to say that we are being transformed into the likeness of the Lord through ever-increasing glory, that as the Holy Spirit works in us, he's making us to be more like Jesus. So we can expect, as we get to know Jesus better, as we go to church, go to Bible study or Sunday school, read our Bible and devotions at home, we can also expect that we will become more like Jesus. Repentance gets easier. The day will come when we will enjoy the recognition and congratulation because of the change which Jesus has worked in us. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, listen 
to the cries of mercy, Heavenly Father, which we now bring before you. Creator of all mankind, you have given us the gift of life. Bless and direct us all of our earthly days. Give your wisdom to all who tend to your creation, that they would live out their vocations in service to their neighbor. Especially bless all who make and minister and enforce our laws, that we might live in peace. Merciful Lord, you know the devastating impact sin has had upon our bodies. Be with all those who are suffering the ravages of illness and age. Bless all doctors, nurses, and therapists, that they might lessen the burdens your people face. Be with all who are in assisted living centers and nursing homes, as well as all who work there, so that your people would be well cared for all the days that you grant them. Caretaker of all mankind, because our sin, the ground now sprouts forth thorns and weeds, yet in your mercy you still provide a harvest and food. Protect all those who work in agriculture, that through their efforts you may give us our daily bread. Heavenly Father, bless the youth of the church, be especially with all youth groups that are gathered at Camp Indian Head. Give them safety in their journey and use this time to make them grow in their knowledge of the word and their understanding of your love for them. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for the blessings you have bestowed on the Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Grant that we may be faithful to your word and eager to see Christ's redemption proclaimed throughout our nation and world. Grant all these things and whatever else is beneficial for us, so that we may live and serve to the glory of your name. For you live and reign, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.